My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 77. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of My Car Guru. We're not there yet, and I'm not sure we're going to get there. I know you've traveled with children, right? And, uh, of course, my children are older and have children of their own, and now they're the ones in the back seat. And when we're headed to the beach, it's like, are we there yet? When are we going to get there, Pop-Pop? How do you explain to a four-year-old what seven hours means? I mean, they, uh, they can't comprehend seven minutes most of the time. You know, can you wait for seven minutes? What's seven minutes? I mean, we're going down a lonely stretch of I-26 and my, one of my grandsons says, is Henry, and, he's, and Henry said, Pop-Pop, I got to go to the bathroom. I said, well, can you wait like five minutes? Because I think we'll be at an exit ramp in five minutes. Oh, yeah, I can wait. 30 seconds later, Pop-Pop, I got to go. You know, it's just, uh, that's life. That's where we are, right? Well, here's a segue for you. We're going to have to wait a while for some of this EV stuff to play out. According to... Uh, most recent analyses, we will need 28 million charging ports to support a scenario where 33 million electric vehicles are on the road by 2030. Now, folks, there's not going to be 33 million electric vehicles on the road by 2030 because there's not going to be that many people that are ready to make that change or can afford to make that change or until they come up with some affordable way to buy these things. Um, because they are expensive, and the lease programs suck. Wait a minute, can I say that on the air? Yeah, they, they, they stink. How's that? The reason is because the residual value on these things, what they think they're going to depreciate down to, is too big. It's too much depreciation. They don't even have confidence in what the value is going to be. So, you know, where a lease on a, a I don't know, a Mach-E, for example, should probably be, now, I'm talking about a $50,000 vehicle. Maybe $500 a month? No, it's $750. That's a lot of money. And then you got to pay for the charging stuff at your house and all that stuff. So anyway, uh, by 2030, not going to happen. Now, 28 million charging ports. How many do you think there are now, public charging ports, in the United States? Well, I'm fixing to tell you. 130,000. Now, they're saying that America is going electric with sales increasing by 65% in 2022. That is such a deceiving number. They want you to think that that as a percent of total vehicle sales, that 65% of them were electric. No, you're talking about 65% of EV sales, which was only about oh, 300,000. You know, when you're talking about 15 million vehicles being sold in a year. So the press, it, it, it's almost like... Um, well, you know how the press is, right? Uh, they exaggerate to one side or the other, mostly to one side. And they are exaggerating to the liberal side of things, the global warming crowd, saying we got to get these EVs in here. So, okay, so we, let's say we have 33 million, or no, what was it? 28 million charging ports, 33 million electric vehicles by 2030, less than seven years from now. Uh, is the electrical grid going to be able to handle that? No. They can't handle what we have now. 
So they're not going to be able to handle it. There's not, and they won't let them develop any type of, uh, of you know, nuclear, burning coal, burning natural gas. They want, they want uh, wind, and they want solar to power this or to create this much power. It's not there. It's impossible. It's scientifically impossible. But that's what they're saying. And and the the auto industry is buying it hook, line, and sinker. The only reason that they're doing that is to stay in the good graces of government. And government happens to be whoever is in power at the time. Let's say that Trump does get elected um, or a conservative Republican gets elected. A lot of this stuff is going to be scaled back. But I think the auto industry has, like I say, that I mean, they're fully vested in it with all these plants being built and battery plants. They're going to keep rolling along because they know that eventually there'll be another liberal party that's in control. And so they have no real choice as to what they do. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes I just wonder if they really think, if the engineers and the people that are running the auto, man, auto companies really think this is the best thing. From what I understand, it's, they think it's going to cost a whole lot less to build EVs than it does to build vehicles with uh, internal combustion engines. A lot fewer moving parts, I get it. Um, it takes fewer employees to, to be able to build these things. You can tell by all the layoffs that are going off in Detroit and, and other places in the world. They're all downsizing. Uh, Ford just laid off uh, or basically terminated, I think, 2,300 out of the engineering department for internal combustion engines. They're saying, we don't need you guys anymore. We've developed these as far as we're going to develop them, and we're going to build electric vehicles. I just hope they sell. You know, I'm a Ford dealer, and, uh, you know, they've taken that approach. Ford is, they say that they're totally committed to internal combustion engines for the, you know, for as long as it takes, as long as there's demand. But, you know, guess what's funding all the electrical uh, the development and the build-out of electrical plants and the engineering and stuff. It's the sale of vehicles with gasoline engines. And it's going to stay that way for a long time. And so it, it, this is um, there's a kind of the dynamics that if you are a student of the business, you tend to read automotive news and, you know, where other people are, are reading what's going on, you know, with Kim Kardashian or something that, you know, I'm looking at a motor trend. Kim is going to have to just go on without me. So, but that's what interests me, and I really dig into this stuff because I do have a radio show, and I do like to talk about these kind of things and try to give you a heads up. But, yeah, what they're calling for by 2030 is not going to happen. All of the experts that I, I mean, the real experts, the people that really know what's going on, they say this is unsustainable is the word that they use. Not only can they not find the, the enough rare earth minerals and, and other materials needed to manufacture these things, that on the supply side of electricity, they got too many barriers. They can't build new, new nuclear power plants because it costs too much because of regulations. And the liberal side of this country can't see that. They just say, well, just build electric cars. That's going to solve it. No, it's not. Not if you have to wait three hours in a line in a parking lot in front of Kroger's to get it charged. That's not going to work. Do I sound like I'm charged up a little bit? No pun intended. Well, I am. Okay, I'll take my first break and I'll relax for just a minute. Okay, I am back. Well, I went to see my cardiologist 
yesterday in Knoxville, and I had this problem. My feet were swelling up like I looked like an elephant, and uh, or you know, or elephant man maybe. And I was having all these PVCs, which are preventricle contractions. And when you're getting ready to go to bed, and you have those things firing off in your heart, it's like somebody sat sitting there just tapping on your chest. I don't like that. And so uh, they say I'm retaining too much fluid. And they think it's because I'm taking in too much sodium. So they adjusted my, my uh, medicine a little bit. And they said, we're not going to do anything to you now. They did the big thing last April where they went in and roto-rootered my uh, LAD, which is the Widowmaker. And it was 75% blocked. And then the Circumflex was, uh, let's see, 90% blocked. Any one, either one of those shuts down, I'm done. That's major, major. Because it was like... I describe it to people. There's three main branches that that branch off, and one of them is the Colorado or the let's see Missouri River. The other one's the Mississippi River, and the other one is the Ohio River. My Ohio was 75 percent blocked, and my Mississippi was 90 uh, percent blocked. So I was just glad to hear that it probably wasn't that they did EKGs and all that stuff. So can I ride my bicycle? Yeah, you can ride your bike, do whatever you want to do. Just stop eat, taking in so much sodium. I had no idea that in my Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich, which I, I can't eat that stuff anymore with French fries, but the uh, Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich uh, had, what was it my wife told me, 1,200 uh, milligrams of sodium. That's not good for somebody that is swelling up. So if you've got those same kind of problems, I'm not a consultant. It's really great to have a brother who is a cardiologist, even though he is a retired cardiologist. And guess what? He's really really lucky to have a car salesperson as a brother because he probably calls me more about cars than I call him about my heart. So that works out pretty good. Everybody needs somebody that they can... uh, talk to about stuff like that you know my doctor even gave me his cell phone number and but I hate to use it you know I found that out with this radio show I put my cell phone number out there and quite frankly there's a lot more people that could use it and should use it that don't I mean my cell phone number is 423-552-2020 now you can send me a text and tell me what's going on if you're getting ready to buy a car you're thinking about you know you want to sell your car you're trying to find a place to go with your old car. Maybe you inherited it, and you don't need it. Who do you sell it to? What do you ask for? You know, those kind of questions. Many times I'll just buy the car. I mean, it's a great source of uh, used vehicles for me, for my dealership, since I am a real-life new car dealer. But, you know, people will go into a car dealership blind too often. We talked about that yesterday. We talk about that all the time, you know, just having the knowledge and the experience. Uh, it's, it's not cheap. Just like a, I remember this old saying, it said, if you think education is ex- expensive, try ignorance. That's where the cost comes in, you know, for the consumer. You know, a lot of people don't think they can negotiate, and I, you, know, you can. You can negotiate just about anything. Now, if you go to Walmart and, and you're wanting to buy, you know, something on a shelf like a new blender, and some associate walks by and says, hey, how much you take for this? They're just going to look at you and say, I beg your pardon? You know, the price is the price, right? 
But when it comes to car dealers and even car service departments, let's forget about the sales department. Let's just talk about the service department. If somebody quotes you a job and it's going to cost you $2,500, they say it's going to be $2,500 for whatever's wrong with your car. You know, you can look at those people and say, I really don't have $2,500. Is that the best you could do? And I'll tell you what will happen 95% of the time. They'll kind of look at you quizzically, and they'll say, well, no, let me check with my manager. See, that was the right answer for you. Maybe the manager comes out from his lair. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe the guy comes back and says, I talked to my manager, and he'll knock off 10%. Will that help? See, what would you have got if you didn't ask? You would have gotten nothing. No discount. 10% is a lot on a $2,500 repair. I won't do the math for you, but it's pretty simple. So ask, you know, if it's a $75 repair, they, they quote you a price for a brake job. They may say, well, sir, that's our menu pricing and it's already discounted. Fine. You know, sometimes it won't work. But most of the time, especially if it's a higher dollar repair, if you ask for a discount, you'll, you'll get it. Also, do you have a... Um, if you have a Visa card or something like that that offers points or discounts, you know, you get, what is that, money back if you spend money on that card. Use that. Um, if you are, like, with if you have Ford Pass rewards, every time you spend money in a Ford dealership in a service department, you earn reward bucks for that. That's a good way to get a discount. So you're getting those two things, and then you're asking for the discount on fr- up front. I mean, you can save several hundred dollars. And, I mean... That'll pay for a few dinners, lunches, or, you know, a new Apple Watch. Well, no, won't pay for an Apple Watch. But, you know, you can make a payment on an Apple Watch. So if you're unsure about those kind of things, you know, you've been quoted a really big repair bill. I've called uh, dealerships, service departments, for customers, for listeners to my radio show and my podcast. Because people will call occasionally, but doggone it, they just don't want to bother me. They think I'm too busy. Too important. I'm not either one of those. So uh, I just have information, and I can help, and I don't mind doing it. Like I say, I'm 25% retired, and that's as good as it's going to get. I'm stuck here. Uh, Car dealerships are beasts to run. I've got really good people. Many of them I'm I'm related to. At least I don't have anybody I don't trust right now, but I've got a great service department. You know, when you run a car dealership for a lot of years and have practically zero turnover, um, that makes things a whole lot easier to run. Now, occasionally people will go sideways on you. I mean, I've had some techs, for example, they, they start having quality issues. And many times it's not the work and it's not the skill. It's something's going on at home. And, you know, if you don't have a good relationship with those people and sit down and talk with them, then you don't find out what it is. You know, I was coming back from... Uh, dropping off my grandson yesterday, and I was listening to Greg Laurie. He's a he's a minister. He has a podcast. Great preacher, um, and really just the most pleasant voice. I mean, him, Charles Stanley, and and Billy Graham. Those are the ones that I listen to. But he said something, and it made me think about just this idea about a wedge came into my head, a wedge, which is you know, a wedge is something that that is useful in a lot of different ways. I used to cut you know, 
my own wood, my own firewood, and we had a wood burning fireplace. And I remember when my electric bills in the in the winter time were like twenty five dollars because I was heating my house with wood. And um, I had to use wedges sometimes when I was um, splitting wood. Sometimes when I was cutting a tree down, you know, I would use a wedge just to make sure it fell where I wanted it to fall. So that's using a wedge to help you, you know, to accomplish something. Um, you know, there are other kinds of wedges, though, that aren't good. They're the wedges that develop between people, between uh, family members, between employees. You know, just the lack of communication can become a really big wedge. Um, it's something that if you don't practice uh, interaction and talking with the people that are close to you, does the relationship not fail or at least falter? Sometimes, I mean, I learned a valuable lesson this week being with my grandson. He is 14. He, he's the son of my son that, that passed away in a car accident. And praise the Lord, he has done extremely well. He is very much a Christian, very much a, much more than, I mean, he's a firm believer in his salvation because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And that's very comforting to a grandparent, you know, of of a, a boy that's 14 years old going into high school. But he is so dedicated to being the best that he can be in school and in uh, athletics. I mean, here's a 14-year-old. He's going on 15 in August, so he might as well say 15. That, I mean, he, go, he has to go to the gym almost every day to work on a different part of his body. And he said, Pop, Pop, you know, sometimes I am the core motivator for my group of friends. And there are many mornings that I wake up, and the hardest part, Pop-Pop, is not doing the weight training. It's making yourself go. It's getting out of bed, putting on your clothes. He has this little electric skateboard. The YMCA is real close to his house up there in Florence or Burlington, Kentucky, just down the street. And he gets on his little electric, did I say go-kart, little um, scooter, electric scooter. And he gets on that thing and rides over there, parks it, goes in there, and lifts, lifts weights for anywhere from an hour to five hours. And I asked the, my doctor, my orthopedic guy, I said, is that good for a 14-year-old? He said, yeah, if he's being supervised, if he's doing it right, and, and he's doing it right. But that just made me think about, you know, I've been struggling a little bit with my health, you know, with these PVCs and all that stuff. But I also recognize that I've been sitting on my hiney too much. I mean, when I was getting home, I was, you know, sitting down and, and watching TV, and then I, then another show would come on, and I just wasn't as active a, as I should be. And my grandson said, Pop, Pop, all you have to do is you have to just make yourself do it. You just got to go. And I have a Y membership, but I haven't been in the last two months. And so now, I mean, I went with him yesterday to work out, yesterday morning. Um, I'm not going to be able to go today because I've been too busy, but tomorrow I'm going to the Y. I'm making myself do that. What was the wedge? You know, what was the, the barrier? I was the barrier. I was keeping myself from doing something I needed to do for my health. But wedges can be, I mean, so many different things. Like I say, family communication, employee communication. Um, you know, if you don't follow up with customers over a long time, you sell somebody a card and, and you don't, you know, you see them three years later, they're driving another car from another manufacturer or something like that? Why did that happen? I guarantee it didn't happen because you stayed in touch with them. 
you know, your separation from them became a wedge that there was no loyalty anymore. So what are the wedges in your life right now? What are the things that are blocking off the kind of relationships, the kind of, um, I don't know, connections that, that you want to have or you should have with the people that you love or with friends or that's preventing you from doing healthy things? You know, there's something there that you have control over. Nobody else does. You just need somebody to open your eyes to it. So I didn't mean to be lecturing too much, but my eyes were opened by a 14-year-old, and I'm so grateful for that. Okay, I'll be back in just a minute. Okay, I am back. I was excited to get to work this morning because two days ago I went on to Amazon and I ordered something for myself. I ordered the Mac Daddy Leatherman. This is called the Leatherman Surge, and it was not cheap. You know, I've never, I've had Leathermans before. I might have paid fifty bucks or something like that. This one was one forty nine. I got to our vacation home in Hilton Head, and I had no tools, and I had to mount this. Uh, I guess it's a baby carriage. You know, a child. It's like a trailer that you hook to your bicycle. And I didn't have any tools to, to take it off with. Looked through this rental house that we were staying in. Not a tool in sight. They had their garage all locked up. They didn't want us in there. I said, this is not going to happen to me again. Uh, so I'm going to buy something I can keep in my car. And I don't want to keep a whole set of tools. There's no reason for it. So I looked at this. Uh, I was looking online while I was down there at this Leatherman um, Surge tool. My goodness, it's heavy. I'm holding it in my hands right now. You talk about some heavy duty pliers, but if I had had heavy duty pliers, I should say, if I had had these with me, that would have been no problem. I had to go next door to another renter. I said, Do you have any tools? Anything that'll fit a, a bicycle nut? He said, Well, sure, we bring our tools with us. Well, I used to, but I wasn't thinking. So, uh, yeah, I was really excited because this thing came in. It was sitting on my desk. There was the box, and I tore it open. It's just like Christmas. So I have it in my hand. Yeah, I see these people that sometimes they wear these things all the time. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to put it in my console of my truck, and it will always be there when I need it. I just have to remember to transfer it from one vehicle to the other when I change vehicles, especially if I'm going to the beach or someplace like that. So get you a Leatherman Surge. I'm endorsing it officially on this radio show. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru, and uh, I will see you tomorrow.